Grace, peace, and mercy to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our sermon text is the Gospel text of Mark, just written. Good. Good for you. Good job. Good friend. Good performance. Good play. How loose and easily we toss around the label, good. The rich young man in our text uses it to address Jesus as good teacher or rabbi. Jesus calls him on the use of such a phrase. Why do you call me good? The young man is well learned, knows scripture, and has been moved to run toward Jesus and kneel before him not the usual actions of one with great means and honor. With Jesus' question, he is now faced with a dilemma as Jesus continues his comment on the address. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. And he goes on listing them for the young man. Possibly, as he was listening, some other scripture was running through this man's mind quickly at the same time. Possibly this verse from Genesis. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil and continually. This is God looked upon creation before destroying it all in the flood, but saving Noah and his family. Or possibly this verse from Psalm 14. They have all turned aside together. They have become corrupt. There is none who is who do good, not even one. He has tossed his question and bent his knee before one about whom he must quickly reconcile his own words with the question, is this God I kneel before? His question shows he had not come to see the truth that all human goodness is sin in the eyes of God. There is no good in him or us. So why bother with the question unless one still saw some good to be done in the interest of one's own salvation or eternal life? Jesus turns to the law to show him all he must do within the second table towards his father, his mother, and neighbors, and agrees that the young man knows full well all he should have done and still be doing for his salvation. He was to love his neighbor as himself, This law was a mirror for the young man, but he didn't get it. All of these I have kept from my youth. His confession is a far cry from the assessment God has made in Genesis, that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil and constantly, I'm sorry, continually. Great is the irony that his question of what must I do is made to the only one born of man that had kept all the commandments since his birth, and would continue to do so until his death on the cross, burial in a tomb, resurrection, and into eternity. The young man did not see Jesus as good in a way that he had never been or ever could be. He did not see him as God come down from heaven for him. Notice that in the second address, Jesus is now teacher. Good has been dropped. So out of great love and compassion, Jesus goes back to the law and telling him, you lack one thing. This is the one thing 
all religions agree upon. If there is eternal life or some afterlife, it is given only to a person who is worthy of it, not a person who is unworthy. The young man's question is not all that uncommon. What must I do? Just tell me. He did not want to enter death lacking the one thing. He did not want to fail. He wanted eternal life. His eyes were focused on the proper goal. Can you see him? He's leaning forward to listen to the voice of authority like one might do if, if someone really in the know with insider knowledge was saying, the stock you need to buy to ensure your retirement is. Or the numbers you need to win the big jackpot are. Or the physician you need to see to, to, you need to, see to cure you is. He was looking for eternal life. He was trusting Jesus, the teacher, to tell him what additional thing he lacked. He seemingly had everything this life had to offer. Then the words, go sell all you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. They were spoken out of love and compassion, but he was stunned, disheartened, and he went away sorrowful. There were many problems for him in this. He felt he had kept the law. Possibly he was looking for a token gesture or deed to cap off his accomplishments. Another problem was his wealth itself. It was a bit of a shackle. He was used to almsgiving, giving to the poor and to the church, but it was declared even illegal to give away all of one's possessions. What was asked was against the law, a law made by man. And to give it all away, to be a beggar, live in poverty at the mercy of others for all he might have, with no promise that he would even have anything, and then to go and follow the one who he so adored, the one that was his all in all that told him that this was what he should do. Sell all you have, give to the poor, follow me. The one thing he lacked. It must have been horrifying to find this was what stood between him and eternal life. It should be horrifying for us as well. We all lack something, if only by some miracle of God, it was only one thing. We look back to Genesis and remember the words there. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil and continually. It may not be that we need to give up a great fortune, but there is something we each lack when it comes to the question of what must I do to earn eternal life. Jesus' examination of the one before him was personal and convicting. It was to make him a beggar before God where he might plead for mercy for the sake of Christ and not look to his own accomplishments in doing one more thing, the thing he lacked. We each turn away daily. And like that rich young, that rich young ruler, we can become saddened and disheartened but we should not go away sorrowful. But we should follow Christ and seek mercy for his sake. Jesus told him, come follow me. Jesus had only one destination as he walked this earth, and as he did, he urged people to follow him. Follow him to the cross. It was there that he proved himself to be the only good one that could do every good thing 
that we lack. His perfect, sinless life given up as a sacrifice for all of our failings, including whatever comes to mind when you or I hear the words, you lack one thing. Those words belong to the law. They are accusatory. The devil loves them, loves pointing out the one thing you and I lack. The most satanic use of those words in this text would be to have us believe there is something we can do to earn our salvation. Jesus used them to point out the exact opposite. There is nothing we can do. The young man realized this and went away in sorrow, but the invitation he heard was from Jesus, the only one that was truly wealthy, the truly good one that would give up all. He became poor so we could become rich. Thanks be to God that baptized into Christ, we lack nothing. God freely gives to us the forgiveness of our sins for the sake of His Son's innocent suffering and death. We need nothing more. We need nothing more because it was a sacrifice God fully accepted for that one thing each of us lacks. And we know it to be true because He raised Christ from the dead to prove it. Death had no hold, and eternal life is the gift given to all who believe in Him. It is given to all who believe Jesus suffered so we could be freely forgiven the one thing we lack, a perfect and sinless life. You and I, we will always lack one thing in the eyes of the world, probably many more than just one, because within our own abilities, we will never be good enough in the eyes of those around us, and more importantly, in the eyes of God. But God knew our frailty and our lack of capacity to do good, so He sent one who is truly and completely good in our place, and that is Christ. With our faith in Christ, the only one that is good, God Himself, we lack nothing because He has given all that is needed and gives us the reward of eternal life. In spite of the fact we could never earn it or deserve it, Jesus delights to give eternal life as an absolute and complete gift. As you kneel and receive His body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins, He gives a foretaste and a promised guarantee that eternal life is and will be yours. As the only good one, Jesus delights to give what cannot be inherited or gained by any of our own doing. For that, all glory be to God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.